Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. All right, Leviticus chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 3 in just a minute. Before I do, are there any two harder words to say, or kind of like an abbreviated word and then a second word, than I'm sorry? Could you practice that with me this evening? Everybody, every campus, one, two, three, I'm sorry. If you're sitting next to your spouse, um, you probably need to say it. If you're not sitting next to your spouse, pick the most attractive person on either side of you and just have a three. One, two, three, I'm sorry. Yeah, you needed to say that. You needed to say that. Is there anything more challenging to admit in life then I did wrong, or I was wrong. I mean, obviously in my life, I don't often have an opportunity to say that. I thought I was wrong once, but I made a mistake. And in life, you just got that over there. Honestly, it was like delayed. I think he's, I think he's, I, I, I can't pick a place that he's from because otherwise I'll offend someone somewhere. It's from Wanganui. Ben Carroll is from Wanganui. It should be Wanganui, their byline should be why? Wanganui, why? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is what I did. I did wrong. I should not have done that. It was offensive. What I did was out of line. For this, I apologize and I will put it right. This has got to be one of the hardest things for any human being to say. I mean, for me as a person, the truth is I've had a lot of practice at it. I have a very strong personality. I'm a blinding choleric. On any personality profile, I get really high in any form of leadership, very low in any form of empathy, 3%. 3% out of a possible score of 100% for empathy. Jillian gets all of it, which means nobody else gets any. A growing percentage going to my daughter, but little daughters have you around here, right? And so in life, there have been many, many opportunities for me to have to communicate to people, I probably went a bit too far. I went a bit too hard. I didn't really mean it when I said that. I'm sorry, this has been something for me that I've had to do on far too many occasions. And I don't reckon there's probably anybody here in this message who likes to say, and if you do, you're probably somewhat psychotic. <laughs> Nobody enjoys having to admit, say it with me, I'm sorry. Another way of saying it, I was wrong. I mean, I watch my kids, you know? You never quite know, but you know, we've got two. So where you've got two, you've got trouble, right? One will spark up at the other. The more you get, the more it just happens on a regular basis. But they, they fire up. One will know that they've done wrong. But you know, to admit their fault, that's never going to happen. They're just going to deny it, challenge it. You know, everybody's got, they, they squirm, look for angles, look to find ways around it. 
And if you've got a sibling, you know this to be absolutely true. And it's always your brother or your sister's fault. Can I get a knowing amen? And admitting your guilt in life is just plain not easy, right? Liam Martangi gave a knowing laugh. Matt, it's always his fault. Is this not the truth? That's right. That's right. And TJ, TJ told me in Hamilton that it's always Millie's fault. He rang me. He said, Pastor John, Millie just keeps doing stuff. She's so mean to me. He was like nearly crying. If you know Millie, you'd know she's the sweetest person on earth. And in life, in life, this is, this is our challenge, to admit when we have faults, when we do wrong. And when we consider the book of Leviticus, this is a massive challenge because the book of Leviticus brings us front and center. It narrows down. I think one of the reasons why people don't like the book of Leviticus is because it's laboriously detailed about sin. If you do this, it's a sin. If you do that, it's a sin. If you do this, it's a sin. And we don't like to think about it like that. We want to know about her sin, his sin, their sin, somebody else's sin, but we don't really want anybody talking to us about our sin. And in life, this is a challenge because at the end of the day, the Bible is not just a book that talks to us as we spoke about this morning. You need to listen to this morning's message. It's on, it's on podcast. It's on YouTube. You should listen to it about whoever touches the lamb is holy. That's half the truth. God will forgive you of every sin. He will right every wrong. He will take you just as you are. The other half of the truth is that God is wanting you and I not to hide from our own own wrongdoings. He doesn't want you bowing in a corner and blaming everybody else for the faults that are in your life. He is actually calling you and I to admit when we do wrong, when we do not behave as we should, or to put it more candidly, He wants you to fess up when you sin. He wants us to own our sin. Read with me this evening our text. It's Leviticus chapter 5, verse 3. And this is what the Bible says. It says, Or suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether it's, oh, sorry, verse 3. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean. Unknowingly touch something that when you touch it, you become unclean. When you realize what you have done, you must admit your guilt. The next verse, verse four. Or suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether its purpose is for good or for bad. When you realize its foolishness, you must admit your guilt. Verse five. When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. When I read this at the beginning of the year, I was brought in just confronted with the truth of God's word. Listen, the first one in verse three says, if you unknowingly touch something that makes someone unclean, when you become aware of it, you must confess your guilt. 
Then the next one says, man, if you say, I'm going to do something, I'm going I'm to show up at the working bee, I'm going to give in the offering, I'm going to help my neighbor across the street, I don't know, I'm going to read my Bible every day, you know, I'm going to change this habit. You know, if you say that you're going to do something, and then you realize that your vow, whether the motive of the vow was good or bad, and you realize what you did was foolish, when you realize that, you must admit your guilt. Then in verse 5, it says, when you become aware of your guilt, you must confess your sin. And friends, when I read that, I thought, man, we got to camp on that. And I wanted to camp on this in an evening service because if there's a problem that we have in our world today, it's that we live in a world where nobody wants to take responsibility for the wrongs that they have done. Everybody's got a reason why somebody else is to blame. Is this not true? I mean, they dropped me as a baby, you know. Um, you know, I wasn't planned. You're part of the 98% of the population, by the way. But somehow that's now become a reason to kind of live with rejection, you know, lash out at the world, underperform, take things from somebody else. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to do it, but they provoked me. What? What? So, you know, if I smile at you wrong, you can punch me in the face. Is that how we operate now? I mean, everybody is just looking for a reason why somebody else is to blame for everything that goes on in their lives. We have become the greatest victim generation probably that ever walked the face of the earth. And with our victim mentality, we have lost our resiliency to challenge. We've lost our ability to step up and front up to difficulties. Our leadership is waning and we're being dictated to more by life. This is true. Does anybody else sense that? And I believe that God does not want your life to be dictated to by circumstance, pressure, by provocation, by things that others have done to you, by where you've come from in life, or even the unique challenges that come your way. God wants you in charge of you. And the way He puts us in charge of our own lives is with two challenging words. Say them with me, I'm sorry. I mean, my kids are so good at this. I mean, it doesn't matter what Lara does, it's always Will's fault. Who took all the cookies from the top cupboard of the pantry, took them down and gave them to every other 11-year-old girl that is in our house today? And somehow she'll find a segue to say, Will did it. Will is eight and a boy, so therefore brain damaged. And so he will always... Blame the cat. It doesn't matter what happens. He can blame the cat. I hate our cat. It's going to hell. But he will find a way. Uh, no, it's, no that's, that's in the Bible. Because there's a spirit of lawlessness at work within cats. And they don't obey. So therefore, they're going to hell. No, I'm, I'm enjoying this moment, Jillian. I'm sorry that I let us get a cat. Oh, wait, I didn't. That's right. Your mother came home with the cat. <laughs> Took Will shopping, shopping 
shopping and came home with a cat. The gift that keeps on taking. He's in fights all the time. 150 bucks for stitches. I'm like, how much to kill it? I don't know where Lana is, but block your ears. It'd be like the cat did it. I mean, he's got the most ridiculous things that he can blame the cat for. I mean, you know, Jillian always blames me. And of course, I do no wrong. So everybody has got a way that they can blame everyone else for the problems that are going on in their lives. And the problem with not accepting responsibility is the impact that it has on us. See, when the Bible say, man, if you've done something unintentionally, then you must submit your guilt. If you've said something and you had the best of motives, but you can't deliver on your vow, you must submit your guilt. And when you admit your guilt, realize that you're actually confessing your sin. When the Bible says that, it's not because God has any negative plan for your life. Well, God wants to ruin my buzz. God does not want to ruin your buzz. He wants to empower your future. He wants to lift you from being an impotent, weak victim of circumstance and folly and irrational emotions to making you strong, confident, in charge of your own life, able to respond, empowered to move forward. And so he says, when you make a mistake, don't sweep it under the carpet. Don't blame somebody else in your life. If the error is yours, then own it and just say, I'm sorry. Not my bad, no. Not like that distant cousin of apology. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my bad. It's like it gets near you, but it doesn't quite touch you. You know what I'm saying? Like the bullet's supposed to land. Yeah, I did it, but my bad. No, no. It's, I, I was around when it took place, but it wasn't really me. You know, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> no handbrake, truck rolled down the hill, killed a whole classroom. My bad. It's like, no, no, no. I hate that. Never use the words, I'm bad, in my presence. I will bless you with a Liverpool kiss. When we do wrong in life, God actually wants us to admit the fault of our lives. And this has nothing to do with God getting great sorrow in you languishing. There's a big difference, by the way, between saying, it's my wrong, I did it, then getting down and going, it's my wrong and I'm just a wicked evil person and everything's bad and I'm the, I can't do any good, I can't do any. God doesn't want you flailing your back, but neither does He want you avoiding the problem. Right there in the middle is the truth of God's Word. When we error, when we sin, when we're stupid, we put ourselves at the center of our own story. Say it with me tonight, I'm sorry. Those two words will put you behind the driving wheel of your own life. See, any person, any person's life that doesn't, doesn't recognize the sin that they have committed. If you're late, you're late. Not the traffic was heavy. Not, you know, you've happened to find four cards at a stop sign. 
15-minute drive. You allowed eight minutes to get there, but you found four cars at a stop sign. So the reason you're late is because the traffic was heavy. No, no, no. No, you were, you were poorly planned. So if you want to change your life, own it. If you want to stay exactly the same, then keep blaming the prince of the power of the air, the family that you were born into, the neighborhood you came up in, the economy around you, what's going on. But if you want your life to be your life, then these two words put you at the center. Say it. I'm sorry. I did wrong. It's my fault. God is asking you and I to confess our sin. This is so powerful. It's so important because if we put ourselves back in charge, when we say, I'm sorry, I did wrong, then we, we are owning our own actions. We're owning our reactions. And because we decide what we did then, now we're deciding what we do now, then we are deciding ourselves. If I blame Johnny, if I blame Liam, if I blame the devil, then whoever I blame gets to decide who John Cameron will be. But when I say, you know what? Johnny's pretty annoying. Liam did provoke me. The devil did tempt me. But I gave in. I did wrong. Then I am admitting that I could have changed me. Therefore, I will change me. It's the first step towards a great life. And that's God's intention. I really believe that there are at least a couple of thousand teenagers, young adults, hearing this message tonight who need to know that you are not just a victim of circumstance. You are not just a product of your environment. We are all of us a product of the choices that we make. If you believe it, say amen. amen. If a wrong is admitted, right? If, if a wrong, sorry, is committed and the consequences are avoided, then the other side to it is that it just hangs around us forever. If you want to live your life heavy, ever walk down a corridor and thought, oops, don't want to see that person? Unresolved conflict, right? Ever been in a small group, life group? Two people have had a row that week, but no one's reconciled? Is the Holy Spirit moving in great power in that life group? Did you sense an open heaven in that environment? Ever been in a team when, you know, one party, one member in the team, you know, doesn't perform, doesn't live up to expectations, gives a yes and then doesn't do it? And then they're like blaming everybody else for the, have you ever been part of that? It just lingers in the atmosphere. And God is wanting you and I not to just be people. This is why he says, you must admit your guilt. You must admit your guilt. You must confess your sin. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you must confess your sin. Say it with like a real angry voice. He's saying to us, man, don't leave it. Don't block it out. Even when you didn't mean to do it, front up to it. Because when you front up to it, there is power in your confession to free you from what has been and to set you forward, set me forward into what God has got for us. 
There's only one way to be the you that God intends. And do you know how that is? To stop clinging to the you God doesn't want you to be. If we want to be the person God wants us to be, we have to stop clinging to the person He doesn't want you to be. God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be a victor. God doesn't want you to be the tail. He wants you to be the head. So He says, man, when you act like you're the victim, when you act like you're the tail, when you let life happen to you, admit your guilt, get it off your plate, and get busy being the person I've called you to be. Touch the lamp. You're holy, but get that habit, get that way of thinking out of your life so that you can move forward into who God's called you to be. First John chapter one, verse nine, here it is. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. It's not just about the event or the sin, it's about changing me. If I confess my sin, He will forgive it, but He will also cleanse me from all unrighteousness, meaning that I'm carrying duplicity in my life. I'm carrying you know, victory and defeat. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying holy and unholy. And when I confess my sin, it cleanses me from who God doesn't want me to be. God wants you to be strong, wants you to be confident. He wants you to be able to withstand temptation, rise above setback, not be dictated to by circumstance, pressure, or event. He wants you strong and at the center of your own life. And the way we do that is we say, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's become like this thing where people would just say, oh, you know, I didn't mean to do it. I was on the spur of the moment. You know, the spur of the moment doesn't make you do anything. The spur of the moment just reveals what was already in you. On the spur of the moment, a strong, courageous man runs into a fire to save somebody else. On the spur of a moment, another man takes two clicks and goes too far. It's all about what's in us that comes out of us in pressured circumstances. And I'm not here to beat people up for what has happened. I'm here to tell you that just blaming somebody or something else is not gonna change the story. I know this morning we're like all forgiven. Tonight we're getting the challenge. I set you up. Yes, I did. And now I get to take you down. But no, no, friends, seriously, God wants you and I to be at the center of our lives. He doesn't want you to be a victim, impotent. He doesn't want failures. He doesn't want you just being dictated to by any circumstance. And the way that we change it is we confess our sin, we admit our guilt, we front up to our wrong, and we move forward. So the, thing about, the thing about pride is that it blinds. It just blinds. But humility, it enlightens. A hard heart, just, you just clouded to everything else. I've met people so stubborn, so locked in their own wrongdoing, so locked in why everybody else is the reason that it, they just can't see the truth. If you t keep turning up at the scene of the accident, do you know what I'm saying? If there's a car crash and you're always involved, you're the common element. 
And you know, the, the thing about admitting our guilt is that it brings us front and center with who we really are. Now, if Isaiah 6 highlights for us anything, you know, Isaiah, the Bible says, saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And mine eyes have seen the Lord, the King of glory. And then the Bible says that God sent a seraph with a, with a, a, a coal from, you know, near the throne of God uh, and, and on tongs, and he touched his lips. And when the, the coal touched his lips, the God said to him, see, your, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So Isaiah confesses his guilt and the moment it's dealt with, and that's the thing about God. God can actually help you with anything, anything. There's no, there's no sin too big that God's freaked out by it. There's no like, wow, you're really in that one all by yourself, you know. Yeah, I can help so-and-so, but I can't help you. That's too big for God. It doesn't work like that with Him. Everything is within His grasp. He can help you with anything. And let me tell you, if you're fighting some kind of challenge in your life and you're like, I am the only one, nobody else has ever struggled with this problem before, I want you to know that in the room you're in, there'll probably be at least 10 other people with exactly the same problem. I mean, of all the heinous things that nobody wants to tell anybody about, I've probably heard them all, and they're probably less than 10. You're in the same boat as everybody else. But when people will not admit their problem, when they won't front up to their challenges, we get locked in the cycle of what we're in. When Isaiah said, I have sinned before, when he admitted his wrongdoing, then God was able to step in. And any person who's willing to admit their guilt, then God can jump right in there and everything else he can deal with. Man, this will free your life when you do this. And the problem too is that the closer you get to God, the more you become aware of that you need to change in your life. This passage is so accurate when it says, when you become aware, you must confess. When you become aware, you must confess. That's Isaiah 6. That's the story of our Christian faith. It's not our job as Christians to tell everybody else what you're aware of in their life. Nobody likes that guy. But if you and I seek after God, then He makes us aware of the distance between our current state of living and the awesomeness of who He is. And as we become aware of that distance, we then admit our guilt. We then confess our sin. When you become aware of it, you must admit your guilt. And here's the truth about life. You will never change what you will not own. In life, what we will not own, we will never change, right? Hello? But when we own it, when we front up to it, then God is able to help us to change it. And I believe with all my heart that God doesn't want you and I to just be limited by the same recurring pattern. He doesn't want us held back by the same issue over and over and over again. And when we put ourselves right back at the center and just say, you know what? 
I've been doing this for years now, but it is the wrong thing to do. I mean, man, there's reasons why, there's circumstances. Absolutely, I can identify societal circumstance, family tragedy, abuse that I've been through, but I'm still in charge of my life. I, I, I might have had a damaged past, but I can have a liberative future. I might have had a challenging beginning, but I can have an awesome ending. That's about saying, you know what? You might have been around it and you might have been circumstantial in it, but it's my life, my dreams, my choices, and I'm sorry. I'm aware of my guilt and I own up to it. As the band come and join me on stage in, in every campus, let me tell you about two kings. Two kings. The first king in Israel, his name was Saul. The second king in Israel, his name was David. And the Bible talks to us about both these kings and it says that both of them in their lives sinned. They both did. Now listen, I want all the teenagers, all the young adults, listen up, this is hugely crucial you get this. The, the sin of Saul, right, was that before the holy prophet Samuel arrived at the place where they were going to have a party because they'd been victorious over their enemies, before the prophet Samuel arrived, the people were leaving and Samuel had issued an instruction, don't start the sacrifices until I get there. Don't start the sacrifices until I get there. But Saul, seeing that all the people were getting bored of waiting for Samuel and they're starting to leave the festival, the party, the Bible says he's like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 don't leave. We'll just get the thing started without, without Samuel. And he starts offering up sacrifices. Samuel arrives and he says, what is this, what is this bleeding of cattle? What are you doing? And Saul said, well, well well, everybody was leaving. And so because everybody was leaving, uh, they made me do it. They made me do it. But uh, it was the pressure of the moment. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Samuel said to Saul in that minute, listen, he said, this day the kingship is taken from your hands and given to another who has the heart of God. Ouch. David, okay? David, in contrast to Saul, is established as the king over Israel, looks out the window of his, you know, room, and whatever, and he looks down and he sees a lady who's an absolute babe having a shower, that's what the Bible says. And he looks down, sees her, he's like, hubba hubba ding ding, look at the legs on that little thing. So he sends off his guys and they bring Bathsheba to him and he commits adultery with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. So then David, to cover up his sin, he, he kills her husband and then takes her as his wife, all right? So we've got offering up sacrifices before the prophet arrives, David, adultery and murder. Have you got the contrast, all right? This doesn't sound that bad in comparison with adultery and murder. 
Yet the Bible says that when the prophet Nathan confronts David for his sin, this is what David said. He said, I have sinned before the Lord. The people were leaving. I have sinned. The people were leaving. I have I was provoked to do it. I chose to do it. I wasn't in charge of my own story. I was in charge and I was really, really wrong. Saul, minor sin in comparison, yet the Bible tells us that he was stripped of his kingship, wallowed in depression the rest of his adult life, and ended up in absolute misery. David, when he said, I have sinned, the answer came straight back from the Lord, your sin is forgiven and your guilt is atoned for. And I want you to know that he's listed in the Bible as the friend of God. I'm not here to justify his sin. I'm here to teach us about the power of owning your own error. God is not mean. He is not unkind, but He can't help you with what you won't let Him in on. But anything, anything in our lives that we bring to Him, He is faithful. And if someone say faithful and just, and He will forgive us of all our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How great, how great is the love and mercy of our God. Come on, if you believe it, give Him a little bit of praise right now. Come on. I'm telling you, this can change a life if we confess our sin then He can take care of everything else. Say it with me. I'm sorry. One more time. I'm sorry. I honestly believe that this has become in our generation a lost value, a lost virtue. When you do something wrong, front up to it. When you disappoint your standards and God's, then just deal with it. Not by just whipping yourself into a... Self-flagellation doesn't make you any more righteous. That's this morning's message. Touch the lamb. But if you want it to go, then admit your guilt. I was late. I slept in. I didn't budget my time well. I overspent. Hello. Oh, you're not clapping now? Because you've done it. <laughs> Admit your guilt. Confess your sin. Let it go. Put yourself at the center. Seriously. No more my bad. I was wrong. Who's with me? I'm telling you, you can change your life. You want to rise above your peers? Do that. You want to be a standout in this generation where everybody's just like, oh, well, you know. I'm not even sure what's right. I'm not even sure what's wrong. Of course you are. It's in the Bible what's right. It's in the Bible what's wrong. There are real rights. There are real wrongs. If you want to be a strong character at the center of your own story, then make a decision tonight to, that you're not going to let 
any person, any circumstance, any pressure, any event, the prince of the power of the air ever dictate who you're going to be. Come on, is anybody with me this evening? Why don't you shout it out in every campus, say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It'll change your life. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.